Hello and welcome back to the A24 on the Rocks podcast. This is Kelly. Tonight, I'm drinking Coppercraft Distilleries whiskey. Hi, my name's Eric Kiska, and I am also drinking Coppercraft straight bourbon whiskey. I'm back on the sauce, boys. Up next. Ooh, welcome back. My name is Cole William Whitlaw Gibson. I am drinking the Prologue by Chapter 7. It is a blended scotch, and it is one of 6,000, which is more than the amount of dialogue in this movie. Up next. Hey, what up? It's your boy, Blaze Fitzgerald Ryan the First, a.k.a. Mr. Simp Your Movie. Uh, tonight I am drinking uh, Bleach. Uh, <laughs> it's actually hard. Mike's... Doesn't that cure COVID? <laughs> I'm doing the Aaron Rodgers treatment. Uh, it is actually Mike's Hard Blue Lemonade. Uh, wow. Finally, man who needs no introduction. <laughs> Good evening, world. My name is Kevin K. Khan Konachuk, and tonight I am drinking Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey to round out all of us drinking brown liquor and Blaze drinking Mike's Hard. Talk about movies. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like how a few episodes ago you were worried that people thought you were poor, and now you've just given up and you're drinking. Oh, like you know what? There was, there was the week I did Bullet, and then I looked at my uh, checking yeah. account. And I was like, you know, just Bullet's roll. not even that expensive. You could Bullet's like thirty bucks. I'm on, I'm on a Let's go. Oh, jeez. Sully. All right, people. Uh, thanks for tuning in again to this silly little podcast we've created. I hope that it's been a pleasure for your ears. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a 2013 film called Under the Skin. And if I know we always have a spoiler alert on all movies. This one especially, just turn back right now if you haven't seen it before. Because the more blind you are going into it, I feel the more you're going to appreciate it. Uh, that said, before we even get into me talking to... Uh, what this movie's even about? Who knew something about it before we even watched it, or did anyone go I mean, in as blind as possible? Blind. I, did. I, I watched completely blind. I think I watched uh, half of this movie when I was kind <clears> of drunk, <throat> like six years ago, and I never finished it. And I finished it this time though. So Man. I didn't even know Scarlett Johansson was in it till I turned it on, and I got excited. Yeah, I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't do a description. I read nothing. I just went into it, just like. Okay, let's see what happens. Okay, so pretty pure, pure uh, eyes going into this movie, other than Eric's drunken half movie seeing <laughs> eyes. Um, it was directed by a man named Jonathan Glazer. Uh, his background is he made a lot of film and television trailers, pumped out a few short films, made a couple movies, and then did this one. It is about a. Here's our here's our intro. Here's all that you should know before going into it. it is disguising itself as a human female, an extraterrestrial drives around Scotland attempting to lure unsuspecting men into her van. Once there, she seduces and sends them into another dimension where they are nothing more than meat. Mm. It is based on a science fiction novel of the same name, and it stars, of course, Scarlett Johansson. Came out the same week as... Captain America, the Winter what? Soldier, which she also starred in. Uh, and that really tells you what uh, time this movie came out and what we were all doing with our lives. Because you probably remember about that movie coming out. was a box office failure. Uh, its budget was about twice as much as it earned. Budget of about $13 million, Earned worldwide $7.2 However, critically well received. And I think it has a bit of a cult classic kind of following among the sci-fi heads. But enough about me talking now i want to hear just some first thoughts and we're gonna go with cole first because i know you like sci-fi yeah so i'm a i'm a big sci-fi guy uh the intro was very uh interesting i kind of like the intro going into it again this was another film where i started off uh immediately checking pausing it and checking my volume because it was dead quiet for far too long <laughs> so i was trying to figure out if i had my volume on uh 
But overall, I, I uh, the vibe of this movie was very, very well done. Good, uh, good cinematics, good feels, good vibes. Made me feel a lot of things. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, let's talk more on that intro. I think it was Blaze who said something about 2001 A Space Odyssey. Do you want to talk more about that? Oh, just, uh, again, I think this movie as a whole, like just going into it, I think it does so much with the visuals and the sounds where if you've ever seen uh, Stanley Kubrick's, and I believe I believe Arthur C. Miller wrote the book, if I remember correctly, but uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is basically a visual and uh, sound orgy for a couple hours. And I got a lot of like the same, like, like we talked about, Eric talked about homages in Enemy, and I felt like a direct correlation uh, especially in the beginning of this film, between uh, this movie, what this director was going for, and with direct homages to 2001 Space Odyssey and then Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I felt like the ideas were ripped directly from those classics, and they put a modern spin on it, and he made his own themes and stuff about it. So, like Cole said, the, the sound was just like... Uh, when I when I first turned it on, I thought my TV was broken because <laughs> it was dead silent. And then the uh, cool visuals where they uh, compared and contrasted the uh, the spaceships and I guess her eye being made. I I, I kind of like there's again going back to enemy. There's I kind of feel for Kevin and uh, Cole because I went to this one blind and I feel like just as confused as they were. <laughs> when they watched that for the first time. So uh, I knew I was going to ask a lot of uh, existential questions. Most of that have still been an- not been answered. Yeah, I got a lot of like just cool sound and visual vibes. Uh, quick, fa- quick fact check so the sci-fi nerds don't shoot us in the head. Um, Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey. Arthur Miller was the writer of The Crucible. Not, not trying to be pretentious, oh. please. I'm just trying to fact check here. So... Listen, I don't write notes. <laughs> I just go off. And with the discussion of this film, I think we can't avoid pretentiousness. Uh, and I'll get more into that as we go on. But just as a teaser for what I'm going to get into. Kevin, I want to hear your first thoughts on the movie. Absolutely. So I guess I lied a little bit when I said I went to this blind. I did read the description on Showtime, which is <laughs> as follows, because I think it's kind of relevant to this conversation. A voluptuous woman of unknown origin, Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> homes the highways in search of isolated or forsaken men, luring a succession of lost souls into an otherworldly lair. They are seduced, okay. stripped of their man, etc., etc. My point is, is I had zero, and I mean zero, thought throughout this entire two-hour process that this was an alien. Really? And I, and I know that's weird to say, and I know that's super weird. Like, how could you miss that? And it might have been the timing of me watching it, me kind of just having it there, and I must have missed the right cue, whatever it may be. So I watched this whole lens with just kind of looking at her from a character's standpoint of maybe a creepy serial killer who's not quite all together there or having some weird vibes. But then when I discovered it, of course, following it, I went, that makes perfect sense and enjoyed the movie a lot more, even though I wasn't really paying attention or wasn't understanding it as I could have been during it. Uh, so that being said, I really do appreciate it in general. Uh, I thought it was a, an excellent film. The the cinematography, as Cole alluded to, was fantastic. Uh, the that opening shot of that lonesome highway, just kind of snaking, oh, was that really motorcycle cool. just, shot. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was just a really visually awesome way to bring you in. Um, and I know we talk about music too, and I love that you felt uneasy right away with the screeching strings and the the way that the orchestral uh, movement put you in that mood for the entire movie. Um, and I and found it interesting that she had a specific theme every time, basically, that she was doing you know, her killing or her, her luring. There was that specific sound that pretty much accompanied that, and I, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, uh, I'll be completely honest. I was ignorant for the most of it, but I still enjoyed it, and now I enjoy it even more knowing what I know afterwards. That's interesting. And the description that you read and the description that I read sound like Two entirely different movies. Yeah, that's a cool point. Uh, yeah. I definitely wrote I was the one say. that, uh, that uh, Kevin read for sure. Actually, yeah, Cole, Cole wrote the uh, Showtime one where it said "voluptuous woman." Uh, <laughs> I did find Eric, that a little I'm gonna, odd. I, I want to hear from you next, but I do want to just touch on the music and the background really quick. Um, it was composed by Micah Levy at only age twenty-six. Uh, before doing this movie, uh, they produced experimental pop music. 
And the director asked them kind of questions such as, imagine when you tell someone a joke and it's not very good and their reaction is a bit stifled. <laughs> Make a song that sounds like that. And that was their prompts going into it. But that said, um, I just wanted to make note of that because it was a really well-received soundtrack. But Eric, I want to hear your initial thoughts on this film. So I guess maybe I had some help because I saw part of this before. But uh, when I, it started out, it definitely gave me very uh, Stanley Kubrick, Kubrick vibes, the symmetrical shots of landscapes. And then I, I think I pretty much got it right away that this was the alien getting into the skin of the human and the eye was, you know, the eye developing, the eye of the human, and also all the gibberish turning into English. That was the female learning the language, learning the English language. So that that was, you know, kind of cool how they just showed her slowly developing the not slowly, actually pretty quickly in terms of learning a language, but pretty quickly developing the English language. Yeah, I thought that that was a really, I liked that part a lot. It was really engaging hearing the language developing. So I want to get into some questions just about the story, I guess. Basically, it's clear that our protagonist has some kind of mission. And I want to hear, let's go Blaze first what you thought her mission might be maybe in the first half of the movie and how it might have changed. <laughs> Why'd you ask me the meaning of life? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess as straightforward as I can be, I believe she was as part, part of an alien race that was sent to Earth to hunt humans for, A, their meat, because they stripped them of their meat, um, and they went through a red corridor or something like that, and then... Also, maybe their souls or their essences, because what's left, uh, just a quick setup, is that she lures men back to place, and they get engulfed by this black goo, because men are stupid and they'll do anything for sex, apparently, is what the, <laughs> what the allegory is. But um, in a more literal sense, their bodies get consumed by this uh, black goop or energy or something, existential dread, you know, HP Lovecraft, etc. So her mission is to either provide food for her uh, race of aliens or maybe human souls or like energy or something to them because I think there's something to do with those like uh, whatever grotesque things are left over uh, from the goop. That's her mission. For sure. Does everybody kind of agree with that, or do we have other thoughts on the mission? When I was watching the movie, I did I, I did not think they were harvesting the meat. I thought they were harvesting the skin, because I was like, oh, under the skin. There just needs body suits for all the aliens, and that's what they were doing. But I did look into like the book and read some of that stuff, and it was more akin to what Blaze was talking about. But during the movie, I was like, oh, she's just collecting more bodies so they can put more motorcycle people out and slowly invade the whole world. Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I was, uh, I guess, a little, a little mistaken. Yeah, the, the book, uh, apparently, human meat is a delicacy to these aliens. And so that's, they're basically taking them, grinding them up, and eating them. Nice. Yupper, so Blaze <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that Sounds was absolutely good. my impression, for sure. <laughs> okay. It's that scene of the, the meat grinder, of the just rolling very right Pink down Floyd, the tray. Very Pink Floyd, another brick at the wall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Oh, they're yep, right. That is very discussing. reminiscent. Yeah. The other, I want to say, character in the movie is this motorcyclist. Kevin, what do you think that the motorcyclist is? I think uh, he's a, a handler caretaker a babysitter so to speak uh, i think that the first woman that we see um when the movie opens up the one that he picks up from the uh the ditch i think that's who scarlett johansson's alien is replacing i think that's the person who failed at her mission um and now this next alien is coming in to replace that individual to attempt to do the same thing this motorcyclist is there to make sure that she's you know tracking down the the meals um, and most importantly, that she's not exposed too quickly. We see that, obviously, with the deformed individual who comes back and he's waiting for him when he comes across the fence, and he's he's very much there to make sure that her cover's not blown and that she does what she's supposed to do. So I guess a manager, a boss, um, just someone in charge. Yeah, was there any motorcyclist scene 
Blaze, you go ahead. And oh, I, I thought of a better allegory. I was I was hoping to guess this, but he, uh, given the themes of the movie, I think he was her pimp. <laughs> but it makes sense, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it's not. It's not exactly wrong. Uh, boss, in a way, yeah. He does clean up her messes, for lack of a better word. Yeah. He sends her out on the streets to so, pick up men. And then, you know, and then when he's done with one of them, like Kevin said, on to the next. Keep the cycle spinning, you know. Uh, we talked about the scene where the motorcyclist, when we first meet him, is that scene of him coming down the winding highway. For me, the other scene that was most visually striking with the motorcyclist is him staring her in the face, like, inches apart looking for are you still with us or have you adopted a bit of humanity into your soul um were there any other like scenes like that specifically with the motorcyclist that like really cut to anyone's core that was like i'm scared of this guy or otherwise i mean when he killed the uh deformed guy for sure yeah like you could tell like (laughs) this guy has no emotion whatsoever um as the female is starting to get more emotion, becoming more humanistic. He's the one there that is cleaning up for sure. That uh, that scene where he uh, takes on the deformed guy was pretty hardcore. Uh, that was one that stood out to me. And then also the end scene, or like close to the end, where it's like him standing in like the white, like the snow top, and he's just kind of standing, surveilling everything. Um, but yeah, that that motorcycle guy was. Uh, he had a lot of pretty cool scenes. He's also. Fun fact, drop here. Uh, he's not an actor at all. He's uh, a world champion motorcycle uh, racer. Uh, and That's they had fantastic. him, they needed him because the roads in Scotland are terrible and rainy, and he was the only one that could do all the treacherous motorcycle riding while they filmed it. That's so, pretty awesome. Pretty cool. He did a great job. So, the scene that, that really cut to the core for this whole movie was the, the scene on the beach with the family mm-hmm. and the dog mm-hmm. and the oh, baby. Yeah. All of there's so, I mean, so many things we could do to dissect that whole scene, but it was definitely awkward. It it was hurt to watch. Brutal. But when he goes and cleans up and collects all of the personal gear out of the tent and then just walks straight past the screaming infant, I was like, oh Jeez, wow. Yeah. So as far as cutting to the core, Kelly, that would definitely be the uh, the scene that really was just like, okay, there's no humanity in this dude whatsoever yeah. i think i blocked that out of my mind <laughs> yeah man that was an intense was. scene absolutely intense scene it was a lot for sure eric it looked like you were gonna say something when we mentioned the baby yeah so uh the, they ju- definitely juxtaposed the first like streaming baby that was on on the beach when people were drowning the family was drowning the surfer went after them and there was the baby left on the beach and you know, Scarlett Johansson, the female at that point, was just kind of staring at all of them, not really knowing what's going on. Like, what are these humans, you know, freaking out about, basically? Uh, and also, she's just like, I need my meal. Like, I was talking to this uh, surfer guy. I needed to lure him back to uh, my lair and provide the human meat to my maker. She pretty much walked past the screaming baby that first time. And then later, we see her in traffic, and there's a guy that gives her um, roses. And he says that, oh, this guy in this other car wanted to give you roses. And and then we see that her hand's bleeding, and there's blood on her hand. And then we see that the guy that gave her, physically gave her roses was bleeding too. And then she stared at the other screaming baby and then finally kind of noticed the screaming baby, and it looks like she started to be interested in the screaming baby, basically. And that was definitely her first time kind of starting to feel human qualities. So to touch on that real quick, I think what that scene definitely represented is while she looks at the the rose vendor, I think she realizes that he is he's hurting himself in order to deliver beauty. And I think that's kind of where mm-hmm. that realization of he's willing to put himself in pain in order to, you know, either make a living or to, to deliver something beautiful to me. And I think that's exactly what turns her on to what you just talked about, that the discovery of humanity in that circumstance. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Uh, there's definitely a clear shift midway through the movie where we go from her being a cold heart alien, uh, like the motorcyclist stays, where she shifts and even as many stare downs as she can receive, there's something that changes inside of her. Uh, Blaze, do you want to talk on, well, I gave you a hard question before. Do you want a hard question again? <laughs> I think they're all hard questions, so go ahead. <laughs> 
What do you think of the significance that the human that really made the biggest impact on her was the man with a facial deformity? What do you think that they picked him to be in that movie specifically signifies? Put a point blank by the name of the movie. It's called Under the Skin. So skin beauty is only skin deep and you know you found it at the end, da 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 da. So I think, you know, as the alien female, like Scarlett Johansson, she uh as she's learning human emotion, like pity and things like that, I think he is uh very important to the her growth, I guess would be the best word. In that he is such, you know, as society views him as such a pathetic being that she can't help but take pity. I think pity is like the first emotion that she learns in this movie. And it kind of expounds on that when she takes this guy to the black goo and eventually lets him go. I think he is there to represent her official change where Eric was talking about, you know, the bloody rose and noticing the crying baby. I think she makes her full exodus of becoming a quote-unquote hunter and she really wants to become human after uh, interacting with this disfigured uh, man. So I think he's a very important part and I think it was excellently uh, filmed and then as everyone said how off-putting it was that the uh, motorcycle man kind of just ruined his day. Um, I think that was the first turn. But I also think, as she quickly learns, is that human emotion is much bigger than what she experiences in the beginning, and she can't experience all human emotion. Uh, but that's later in the movie. But yes, that guy is very important. Very good scene. Yeah. So uh, just for the sake of going through the storyline of the movie, um, after this scene she encounters, she kind of runs away and she encounters somebody else. Uh, Eric, do you want to touch on what that encounter is like with this man who kind of takes her in and what that means for her? So she's very distraught after she leaves the house and um, lets the disfigured man live. I think because uh, she saw kind of some of herself in him, like uh, below her skin is something that people wouldn't really find beautiful. He had a hood on when she first met him and then he took it off and it was something that humans probably don't find very beautiful. And she figures out this is a very lonely guy and she feels a connection to him. And then, yeah, obviously she looks in the mirror. She starts to see herself like as she actually is, like just an alien in a human body. But then uh, she goes out to that bus and meets that guy. At first, she's uh, very, I think, scared, confused, not knowing what's going on. And then the guy, you know, talks to her on the bus, asks if she's okay. She says, you know, basically no. Takes her back to uh, his house. And this is, you know, human compassion. And she's starting to realize that humans have, like, this great compassion. There, There's definitely a dichotomy of man in this movie where there is the beautiful parts of humans and the ugly parts of humans, which we will see later. And we actually already saw at that point because there were a gang of men that tried to um, take her out of her van. Either way, this guy, I think is her first kind of feeling of love or at least passion of some sort. And he is really there just to, like, he really only cares about taking care of her. That that scene where he was carrying her over the the puddle in into the Scottish castle... You know, that was like her seeing chivalry and seeing that this man can, you know, he cares a lot about her, basically. And then, obviously, that ends up leading to them making love, and she realizes her genitals don't work. Uh, And that's why she shines the light on her vagina. And she then she's just like, oh, I am not, you know, a human in this sense. You know, I I want to make love to this man, but I, I can't. And that's when she ditches that guy. And yeah, that guy was a very like important vehicle for her realization that she can't really be a human in the classical sense. Yeah, Cole, do you want to touch on that? The viewers can't hear it, but I saw a few facial expressions that you made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that um, the whole transition of her, you know, realizing that the like under the skin of the people um, was a, was a very uh, I thought very well done, especially for how little was physically said <laughs> throughout the whole film. Um, and she like 
meets the guy with the uh, with the facial deformity and realizes that there's a lot more to him and, and again like Eric says kind of has a connection with him and then goes and uh, she ditches her fur coat and goes for a more pleasant coat and uh, finds this guy who takes care of her and treats her like a person and doesn't you know want to have sex with her and all that stuff you know moving even further beyond that she then really comes to find another person in the woods who kind of is the opposite of the humanity that she's found right so she's found all these people that you know from the facial deformity to the guy who just wants to take care of her and they you know she realizes the people that they're eating are actually good and there's a lot to them and then she meets a person that is quite the opposite where he is just you know seems on the surface like a nice person but then you know under the skin he's just a monster right so it's kind of like that interesting dichotomy between those two scenes and her transition of discovering humanity and and all that stuff i found it uh i don't know it was very good i found it very enjoyable also the guy with the best yeah. with the facial deformity real life guy his name's adam pearson and he has a like they didn't want to use any prosthetics or anything and he broke his leg on the way to the to his interview or to his casting he broke his leg got hit by a cab and they they hired him that's why he's got a broken leg in his black goose scene where he's limping everywhere my and he has I'm, glad, an I'm glad that you mentioned that. He, uh, yeah, he has an identical twin that doesn't have the same um, Whoa, I did not affliction know that. that he does. Yeah, they both have the same condition, but it affects them differently. It's actually a whole a whole deal. So, yeah. Are they like the twins from Spring I, Breakers? Oh my. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, nope. buddy. Uh, but I, oh, I guess shucks. I had a point that I'm not sure where else we can talk about it, so I'm just going to bring yeah, it up go now. ahead. Um, I found it very interesting that she was kind of pre-programmed with the um, the street knowledge to when asking her victims, are you alone or are you meeting someone or are you, mm. you know, finding the most direct way to find that lonesome individual. So it was whether she learned that or it was the aliens instilling that immediately because that's what they needed their hunters to be able to do. I just found that super Interesting that it was specific and that she, you know, clearly went through that progression with every person that she was trying to target. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that they programmed her because they they programmed her to drive, too. Like, she was right. a very yeah. good driver the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think they wanted her to find people that, that no one would immediately miss them and it would be easy yeah. to dispose of them. Yes, cool. So that they could survive themselves. So uh, going off of uh, Kevin and her asking people questions and them getting into her van, I wrote, made a note that I said this is the worst cash cab I've ever seen. Uh, and then I, I later <laughs> looked up to like see who was all in this movie, and that's uh, when I uh, realized or I saw the f- fun fact that like none of the men that she lured into the van are actually actors. So if you look at the cast... None of them are actors, and that's because they're just actual people that she lured into the van, just driving around, being Scarlett Johansson, and people just willy nilly getting in her van, having a good time, and then they find it, and, you know, and then they hit, ask them if they want to be camera. Yeah, they want to be yeah, in the actual hidden cameras. Yeah, I thought that was cool as hell when I, I found that out. Very, very really? Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, hidden cameras Eric, in the Eric van. Eric told me that actual hidden cameras after yeah. we had watched it, like, and I was like, oh, so it's like Bor- Borat? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Yeah, those reactions were that's real. crazy yeah. what yeah it's all yeah. I, I have to look that up really like that yeah, or rewatch the scenes and just be like holy shit what would you do if charlie johansson drove up in a van and was like hey what are you doing in sign there? me up whatever you <laughs> yeah. got sorry i have a girlfriend thank you ma'am <laughs> yeah so two things i want to touch on but first is it kind of explains the difference of how intentional the sound is throughout the movie before the first scottish person that she picks up speaks um and it's very intentional use of sound and music and also intentional lack of sound and uh use of just real world things like a alien would be scientifically exploring how sound works maybe on this planet uh and then the first time she rolls down her window and speaks to somebody i was like what the heck is coming out of their mouth (laughs) this is the exact opposite of everything that was set up and learning it was just some dude it made a lot of sense yeah i turned on subtitles immediately once that guy she rolled down the window <laughs> that guy started talking the scottish people are supposed to have the hardest english accent to understand so. i didn't think he was talking english at first <laughs> right yeah. well Sam i wrote scottish, i wrote scottish setting accent. i go where usa europe both on purpose 
oh, Scotland. Because <laughs> I saw all yeah, of the please. English signing and I didn't see anything. I was like, yeah. what is this? But now it makes sense. <laughs> so I don't know if it was done on purpose or not, because I believe the director is British or from the other side of the pond. But I think for an American audience, I wish this was on purpose. So I don't know. But I think the Scotland accent was purposely used just so we could be put in her shoes of like not understanding, making us feel alien to the language. Because that's an excellent man. point, Blaze. I like. That. I like that. Because yeah. can I just say that movie did terrible things for the Scotland Tourism Board? I am not going to that stupid ass country. <laughs> I can't hear him. It's rainy and wet. No, thank you. But yeah, I feel like it was. But there's castles. Was... There's castles. There's castles. That's where Shrek's from. It's castles. You can see Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> that bastard uh, from Austin Powers, he's there too. Yeah, well. And you have hot chicks in vans that'll pick up single men. That's true. So. All right, never mind. They did great. All We're, right. <laughs> that's uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on is that she does drive around and pick up these guys. The director said that he wanted to make the movie more about the human experience than a gendered experience. However, in my opinion, he did not avoid that. I think it's very crucial that. Uh, she is a woman and that she is beautiful. I think a lot of the movie is about what beauty means and our obsession and appreciation of it. Does anyone think that it would be the same movie if it was a man who was the alien instead? No, I mean, picking up woman? No, no, no. because, yeah, women no, would definitely have way more reservations about getting That's in a That's why the handler is the man, motorcycle so. guy. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like you alluded to, I think the theme is exactly that that very much is a feminine element to this like it's it's a focus on on that that mm-hmm. part of it for sure yeah no this movie needs to have her the protagonist be a female for sure mm-hmm. yeah it's that um reversal of uh rape culture at the start of women are constantly taught to keep our wits about us and react a certain way if a strange man in a van drives up but it, it's very fascinating to see it flipped Men don't really, uh, especially I guess in Scotland, have to worry about if a girl says, are you alone? Are you asking all these questions that make a hundred flags raised for me? They're just like, yeah, so my place or yours? <laughs> it's it, yep. it's fascinating uh, use of that. And the fact that that might not have been completely intentional is very interesting to me as well. I'll make a point, <laughs> okay. if we may. Yes, um, I really enjoyed the club scene. Um, the whole thing, from the beginning of her... Uh, intentionally following that one gentleman um, into being bombarded by the females and not knowing enough about human culture to be able to say no or why am I being drugged into a club. Um, And I made a note, basically, um, that says that the club reminds her that she isn't like them, isn't normal, and doesn't belong. And it kind of, that whole scene in general was a very eye-opening scene to kind of differentiate her from not only the humans, but just just people in general like it was just kind of one of those things where you could tell that she was super uncomfortable and needed to get out of there but she was also in that situation because she was looking for food or that instinct Um, so i just thought that scene in general was very cool and kind of a crucial changing point on, on where the rest of it went from there yeah a question i wrote down for all of you specifically about that nightclub was uh was that a uh, Darude sandstorm playing in the background? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why they cho- chose sandstorm. Because <laughs> it's the greatest <laughs> synonymous of all time. Would yeah, people it's really straight yeah. up? Yeah. Gets the people yeah, going. Man. Get the people going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it. come on. If you hear. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny. I want to hear. Okay, so I've I've gone close view and we've gone through the uh, pieces of the movie and everything but I'm going to take it back zoomed out again we're going to go back to the beginning of the movie and the grand huge alien shapes and everything again how did we feel about the general pacing directorial choices uh, the slow intentional lots of Scarlett Johansson staring at herself kind of scenes how did we just feel about that uh, Kevin, go ahead. I will say that it did felt a little slow and long in some circumstances. I find myself notes for like 30 seconds of one scene staring at nothing. Maybe that was also me kind of being a little confused on the whole plot of it up until that point, but there was definitely a feeling of 
all right, where are we in this movie and how close are we to the end? It didn't last very long and it did a good job of continuing to move me, but there was a slight feeling of that while I was watching it. Yeah, Eric. I think that I actually kind of like how it was slow moving at the start. I like that we see her driving around. There's a lot of scenes of her just driving around and it really is a predator seeking prey, you know, like looking out, you know, find trying to find victims, you know, and then we eventually kind of get into a slow lull of um, these very everyday things. Like when she falls on the sidewalk, you know, there she just lays down there for a little bit before she gets picked up. And it seems like these are mundane details, right? But they're actually, they have points, you know, a predator seeking prey at the start, but then these mundane like niceties that humans do for her um, are just mundane everyday things that maybe we take for granted. But she is starting to become humanized because of them. I dig that. I dig that. Blaze, what do you think about the general pacing of the whole movie? Uh, yeah, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I agree with both of them. I do feel like uh, certain scenes went on a little longer than maybe, I don't know, the editor fell asleep or something like that. <laughs> but uh, no, in all honesty, I think, uh, again, this is a, definitely a movie I'm going to have to rewatch at least one or two more times because I do think a lot of this stuff was intentional. You know, just going back on her looking herself in the eyes and like just talking to you guys right now, it's like, okay, eyes are a very big theme in this movie. Why? Under the skin, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, stuff like that, that, you know, that I wasn't even thinking about, like, going into this podcast. I do feel like this uh, director, John John Glazer, right? Am I saying? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I do think, like Eric said, with Enemy last week, or, yeah, last week, everything was intentional in this movie. And there was no Mm -hmm. crumb that was wasted. There was no wasted moment, even though maybe on my first viewing... Some, some of it felt wasted. So I really can't wait to watch this again. So first time watching it, a little slower pace. Wish the, uh, you know, the action and the great sound score would have picked up faster. But, you know, for what it was, I feel like there's hit a meeting. So good pacing. Okay. Cole, I'm going to get your thought. I'll do one more question for everyone after this, and then we're going to give our... our uh, our grades. Uh, but Cole, my friend in sci-fi, I know you surely like action. You love dialogue. You love all these kind of things, right? How did you feel about the pacing? Well, please tell me. <laughs> let me, let me lay some facts out for you. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I, I did like this movie and I do love, uh, my action. It like the beginning was very slow, but I thought it was like intentional and it was good and thought out. But I was waiting for it to pick up. It never did. And like at, towards like the bottom of my notes, I just kept I just kept writing long drawn out shots, long drawn out shots. They just kept really drawing shots out, which like it builds the like kind of like the anxiety and stuff inside of you while you're watching it. But it, it just like almost got to a point where I got like a little annoyed because of how long and drawn out and how little dialogue was happening but they were able to convey a lot of emotion through just watching through cinematography and stuff but uh i looked up the script the uh the like transcript of all of the dialogue it was only 14 pages total of the whole thing um most are in the (laughs) close to you know uh getting into like the 50s to 70 pages of transcripts of dialogue Joe, uh, jo- Scarlett Johansson, I went through that transcript and I counted every single word that she said and she only said 467 words through the whole entire movie, which in, an, in a movie that cost uh, $13.3 million, she said, for every word she said, it cost $28,480 per word that she said and then it only made $7 million. So they had a net loss. Every time that Scarlett Johansson said a single word, they lost $13,490. They need more dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) There should have been a crescendo. I liked this movie. I enjoyed it, but the pacing was too slow. And towards the end, I I just started falling off, Uh, especially when she was at the scene where she's, you know, discovering that she loves humans and the guy's taking care of her. It was just like a lot of like long, awkward pauses. And, you know, A24 has been the pristine of 90-minute movies. I don't know why this wasn't one of them, because it would have been better. But that's my Eric, take. 
Yeah, so there's two points I want to say before we give our ratings because I feel like these are left unsaid. You know, this was Scarlett Johansson's new debut, and um, I feel like the director actually did an amazing job of that scene where she's um, looking at her nude body, and he was actually very... I, I feel like the nudity actually served a point in this movie where she was looking at her body, like, scientifically. Like, what is this form I'm in? And, you know, it could have just been kind of a lustful uh, view of a female body, but I don't think it was at all. Like, the way he did it, I don't think it was. Uh, Cole? Uh, going off of, like, uh, the use of nudity, mm-hmm. I thought it was they did a very good job, and it was very subtle where, like, you know, every time she took a guy back to their ship, she, you know, took off a piece of her clothing, was in underwear. Uh, she was in her underwear 40% of the movie. Just facts here. Uh, but in the one where uh, with the man with the deformed face, Adam Pearson, she got fully naked in front of him, but wasn't never did it in front of any of the other people and stuff. And I thought that was an interesting way to almost like subtly show that she liked him or trusted him more than she trusted all of these other victims that were just nameless faces. She actually liked this guy and and knew that he wanted to, you know, see her naked and stuff. So she wanted to give him something. And I thought that was interesting how... Do you think the use of the male nudity was intentional in this film? For anybody who feels like answering that. I know yeah, that awkward. can't be an accident. Right. There's yeah, no way I don't know, just... okay, if I was yeah, reading too much into into this, but the guys she killed were, you know, rock hard and the disfigured man <laughs> was he seemed a bit more flaccid and like he was actually like looking around. Um and that was why she probably went fully nude was because he was questioning himself right. uh, about go, she going was like, fully Am I not hot enough for you yet? Like Yeah, no, he was like looking around like questioning like <laughs> well, he kept saying remember it was he a pinched dream. himself too. He, he pinched himself dream. and yeah. was just like, like Am Is I this dreaming? Real? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then so, so I feel like when he got there he kept on like, Am I in a dream? Like this like can't this, be real. Weird, yeah. yeah, so I was gonna yeah. ask. That's interesting, but I do wanna that's jump on to my last question so we can give grades. <laughs> I, 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 I want to talk about the ending too. Are you kidding? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is what you're going to say, um, but can we talk a little j- just about the ending and finish that up there? Yeah, sure. We're still good okay, on time. Um, Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just thought the ending, what I got from it, she falls asleep in that cabin, right? And then we see a superimposed version of herself in the woods. And this is like yeah. her soul transcending into the metaphysical, going past her skin, past her body. And then she comes out, the logger or guy that's in the woods tries to rape her, and the music comes back on, the predatorial music that was used every time Scarlett Johansson was luring men back. And so this is showing the dichotomy of man here, that humans can be... Because you know, we were just coming out of the scene where she was falling in love with this guy, and now we see the very, very ugly parts of man that are way more like this alien race that she's a part of, you know? And she sees, like, this dichotomy here, and then, you know, he rips off her, um, part of her skin, and she, you know, starts crawling away, looks at her human suit, and then he lights her on fire. And then, you know, the camera pans up after she's lit on fire, smoke is going up, and I took that as her soul finally transcending past her body into the metaphysical universe, or dimension, basically. That's how I took it. Anyone else want to touch on that ending? I mean, I really liked it. I thought that it was a um, an, an excellent way to kind of close it all out without something you expected, to be honest with you. I, I really thought that uh, after he ran away, seeing her with the skin ripped, that that was going to be the end of it. Uh, and then he returned with the gas, and I went, well, that's a human reaction. I can see where that's coming from. Uh, <laughs> and that's not sarcastic. It was kind of honestly like if you just saw an alien, like what would you do in that circumstance? But he was also a piece of trash, so I guess what do you have that? Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was a good ending. Honestly, it, it left it at a great spot. It was just kind of like that's it. She she did or didn't do her goal, but it was just a good ending. I enjoyed it. And she, she was fully human at that point, like where earlier those guys try were, were trying to break into her uh car or van and she wasn't scared at all she just drove away and then at that point she was having like a full-on human reaction to you know what it would be like if someone was trying to rape it's you a really you good know? point i like that because i yeah. wrote down earlier like calmly drove away during that mm-hmm. scene where she's getting i was kind of like turned off like how did she not react to that because she yeah. didn't know any better and then you're right by the end yeah. of it she was panicking and all that so that's a really good point i like that yeah please uh, yeah i'm glad er- i'm glad eric said all that because 
If we were going to talk about the ending, I would have just said I was confused as hell. Uh, (laughs) But I guess it does kind of make sense in the way that Eric put it, that maybe she was transcending who she was because the most confusing part was, yeah, the ending where, like, she gets lit on fire and shit like that and you don't really know what happens, da-da-da-da. She is slender black alien lady. But the thing that had me question is the motorcycle man, he couldn't find her when the whole movie he could find her so maybe it's because she like eric said trans whatever transmorphed into whatever that next higher building yeah there we trans yeah one of those words (laughs) um so yeah i don't know that ending was like i I don't know that's one of the things that's gonna have to make me watch it again because i had zero clue what was going on by the end and it was like a giant my wife turned into a giant spider yeah i um I liked the ending. Uh, you know, I, I didn't quite have the same, I guess, uh, reaction as Eric did, where he was, you know, more in, into like the what was happening to her soul and all that stuff. I liked it strictly because I thought the alien design was very cool. I, I really liked like the matte black, almost like a onyx type alien underneath of the skin that they she pulled off. Um, and then like the, the stunt work of like them lighting that person on fire was very well done. Cause that was real fire. And that whoever that person was, was a blaze. And they, they did a very good job shooting that. And they probably spent, you know, half the budget just to burn one person. So, uh, I, I enjoyed the ending. I thought it was not what I expected the ending was going to be at all. And I, I really, I like it when that happens. And it also kind of like left you wanting to know more and, and seeing what was going to happen. Cause there's a lot of things that were unresolved. But I, I liked it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give my uh, take. I think that I've kind of kept out of it this whole time. And I think that you all know what's boiling deep under my skin. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to pick on any of you for the things that you named at the ending right here. But uh, here's three things that annoyed me the most. One, her body transmorphized on top of all the trees was the cheesiest thing I've ever seen. I've seen it in PowerPoint. Number two, you're really going to tell me that the alien design is still a bipedal human-looking creature with just onyx black skin, wearing skin like that after you showed me at the beginning all of these crazy shapes and colors and these weird words coming out of them. They're really just going to kind of look like humans at the end. And three, you're going to really let them burn away and then sit that camera as if I was a five-year-old filming a campfire up at the sky and let all the ashes come and hit the lens. Like, that's really what you want to do with this is just let the ash, like, it's, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it at all. Um, What do you guys think? Did I keep that under my skin long enough? (laughs) No, I will specifically comment on the ending shot because I actually enjoyed it up until the point where it didn't cover the lens with the falling ash. I was hoping that it was going to like black it out and it would have been <laughs> Another a little... Another PowerPoint kind <laughs> of yeah, transition. Exactly. Yeah, sure, but a little classier <laughs> version. Uh, I guess I was still thinking about the subject matter more than thinking about the details at that point, but I can see how the rest of the cinematography before that would be disappointing at the end. Yeah, I figured the aliens could just train, change their like form to fit skin suits. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. A lot of black going on. They're just a bunch of goo boys. Yeah, when Kelly and I were watching this, we both kind of like pointed out uh, this was like somebody trying to be Stanley Kubrick, but without the perfect cinematography. Uh, There were shots throughout of it. Throughout. Star uh, Child. Had very good cinematography, I think, but then there were others that fell short, in my opinion. Yeah, like the ending shot where they pan up instead of seeing the Star Child, you just see fucking ashes of them. Ted Bertalian. <laughs> I think one of the quotes that I told Eric was it was Stanley Kubrick without Stanley Kubrick, therefore nothing. Nothing. Nothing you for me. You just get spring breakers. Nothing will be that bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, right, let's Blaise, bring it up you. one more time. I want to do my last uh, question for everybody. I'm going to answer yes. it first, uh, and then we're going to grade. So I wanted to ask everyone, and they don't have to necessarily be the same scene, but I think that visuals and emotion were, and also audio, were all very key to this uh, movie, more so than dialogue or great story or some other things that I feel like we're lacking. So visual visuals and emotion, what was the most visually striking moment and what was the most 
emotionally striking moment. Uh, for me, I'm going to take the pleasure of going first. Visually striking moment was the first man who was her prey, who was under the water. After the second one falls in, we see what's actually happening to him, and he looks like a plastic bag. And then he implodes. And that was the most <laughs> visually uh, striking moment for me. The most emotionally striking moment was... Uh, when our man who had a facial deformity gets in there and she keeps flirting with him, she keeps leading him on and eventually is like, we're going to go back to my place. And he pinches his hand like he must be dreaming, like this can't really be happening to me. The scene that had, was the most visual and most emotional for me was probably at the seven minute 30 mark of the movie. Probably, you know, the first scene where we see Scarlett Johansson just completely fully nude. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, although this is the only time she's ever done it, uh, but uh, no, I I think the the most visually striking was actually at the very beginning, not the nude scene, but the motorcycle scene. I thought they shot that where it's like back facing towards him. I really liked that whole sequence of him just riding the motorcycle and uh, the film starting off. I thought that was a very very. Um, cool way to shoot that from the top where he's zipping down through the valley and then is pointing back at him and then all of a sudden he just stops and walks into a field and <laughs> picks up a body and chucks it into a van um, i really liked that whole motorcycle scene and how they filmed that and then for the emotional one it was definitely the brutality with the family where this whole family have a nice fake like day at the beach and it goes tragically she just sits there does nothing and then when the guy who tries to save them gets back she just kills him drags the body and then the guy goes to clean it all up and the baby's still sitting there hours later crying no one's coming he doesn't even acknowledge it doesn't even look at it and just like walks right past it just treats it like trash like that really was um probably the most emotional scene because it was just so brutal and the fact that what like they didn't do anything so it wasn't them actually acting out any like terrible crimes or anything that was just the lack of interest and care and just dis complete disregard for human life at all definitely those okay. are good good picks i guess that means Kevin, I'll, you want to go I'll, next I'll, yeah i'll go ahead um okay. i think the first visually striking moment for me and i definitely made note of it was the very first scene where we go into the the um the other world where she's luring him in that that blackness the the water the the entire void of anything but what you're concentrating on is the two human elements in that scene i thought that it didn't answer any questions at all it was very in fact it was super mysterious throughout the entirety of it like were they dying were they being trapped like the cinematography aided to the story in that circumstance. And I thought that was really cool that it visually made me curious and therefore forwarded the story in my mind. So that was the one point. And then I was originally going to answer the uh, question with, with Cole's answer that the family was the, the, the heart jerking moment. But then uh, I've kind of tailored it to think that at the end, I really thought it was unfair that she uh, was taken advantage of uh you know, was attempted to be raped and then burned alive and died. Like, I thought that was just kind of garbage. Like, she was discovering herself and becoming her own and and finding out what it meant to be human, and it was just taken away from her in a moment. She did um, that to and, other people, though, to be fair. Yeah, no, that is fair, absolutely. And that is odd that I feel emotion towards her versus, you know, the people that she, she took out in the process. So maybe that's part of the story. Maybe it's something about me. I don't know, but there was definitely some, some emotional value to that for me um and watching her burn at the end was kind of sad eric do you want to go next i think the two there's two very visually striking moments for me one is after she fell and the people helped her up they had like a whole kaleidoscope vision that was really visually striking and you up to that point it was very like dull scotland kind of colors you know aesthetic a lot of whites grays blacks and then all of a sudden there was the that kaleidoscope scene which i think depicted her seeing the world in like kind of technicolor for the first time seeing more emotions and then the other scene that was really visually striking was when she was walking into the white fog and i felt like that was like the opposite of the men walking into the black goo it was like her walking into this beautiful white fog and looking around and just being like what is this like nature that is uh encompassing me right now and uh, I thought that was very visually striking. Emotionally striking, yes. I think it was the ending for me, the man trying to rape her, you know, and 
I, I think her getting burnt and transcending, I just think, I felt like that was very poetic. I, I think that it's like she kind of lived a full range of emotions and a life in a way in the short time we knew her. And then she just went up into the metaphysical dimension, you know? And Blaze, let's hear from you. Visually, I really liked the uh, the beginning when she's being cr- created from the old alien. I, I, I wish I knew what that ant meant that was on her finger. Like, I don't know if it was like first contact with Earth or I... I I exactly don't know that, what I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's so, got to there's got to be more yeah. than that because a living being because then her first scene on earth there's that fly that's trying to escape. So I do think that like maybe that has something to again, there's a lot of questions that I have about this movie myself, but I do think <laughs> that um the use of insects again was very thought-provoking because I think humanity has a very close relation to insects and insectal social colonies like ants. So I feel like there, there's got to be something in there and like the way it was shot on her finger, the way it was zoomed in and I don't know, like warrior there, man, I don't know. There's a pl- uh, idea, just a real quick, that people look at, like we look at ants like they aren't, they don't have personalities or anything and they aren't, uh, they don't have like actual souls or anything. And that's how they are looking at humans at that point. See, that so, makes sense. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. That. They're just yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Analogy. Yeah. You might have nailed that one. Um, but yeah, I wanna, it's it's up in the air. But yeah. Not just visually though, because I think more importantly, uh, the sound was so great in this movie. I think the most resonating audio for me was whenever the uh, the alien hunt music. Like there was literally like I could feel the pressure of the music and. It almost felt like, you know, like really good slasher movie music, you know, like you can like look behind your back and like hope that, you know, she's not trailing you and stuff like that. So I thought the sound was super important, uh, maybe even more important than the visuals. I'd like to see that movie with zero dialogue. The uh, most emotion, uh, I, I have to say, uh, that beach scene, that, that was very, very, very hard to watch from beginning to end. And it was acted perfectly by... The aliens, and it was acted perfectly by the humans. So, um, you know, I don't know. I've just always had a, a sick feeling in my gut when, you know, it involves, like, babies and, like, starving and stuff like that. So, yeah, just the whole thing from beginning to end because you kind of told you it was going to go down. So, I, I don't I don't think I'd watch that scene again, to be honest. So. For sure, for sure. I think that uh, this is a great time to uh, plug to our... Listeners, the concept of veganism and how we treat animals and the way that we don't even have a word like humanity to describe them. You know, <laughs> if we were aliens who came onto their planet. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. All right, let's get to some ratings. Anyway. <laughs> Cole, you want to give a, a good a good rating for this oh, film? Oh, man, I guess I'll go first. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed this film. Um, it did... Again, I had some problems with it in terms of uh, the lack of pacing or increasing its pacing or interest and all that stuff. Um, I did like it. I thought it had like very good um, cinematography and, and it like definitely made you feel a lot of things without telling you, which is hard to do in movies. Plus, you know, obviously it has Scarlett Johansson, who is amazing, very talented, uh, perfect person all around, great. Um, I'm going to give this uh, <laughs> film... Uh, Subtle. I'm going to give it... <clears throat> I like. I want to be higher, but I really don't think... I, I don't think this is a movie that I'll like, go back and watch a lot. So I think I'll give it a C plus 24. That's where I'm going to put it. Cole, I don't believe that you've never seen any stills from this movie because you've definitely seen some on r slash celeb No, NSFW, no, no. So. I, was, I was blown away that Scarlett Johansson was nude in this movie. It, 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 like, you've seen stills from not, this. It, I did not know this okay. was a thing, and it, it was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Kevin, I want you to go next to someone Excellent. who didn't know that we were dealing with aliens. Yeah, <laughs> right. So... While I was watching it, exactly. So it was, so that's fun. All right, that point is relevant though because I still enjoyed it while I was watching it, even though I had no idea what the fuck was going and on. Undoubtedly, on its theater release, there were people in your exact same shoes yeah. who came into that theater thinking one thing and going, "What the fuck is and, going on?" And 
what, remember when I read that Showtime description, it's, you know, mm-hmm. a voluptuous woman takes advantage of, you know, like, my brain is thinking crazy serial killer, not alien serial killer. Now, looking back at my notes, I realized that, I you know, the comments about the club and not feeling belonging, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And that's why I actually enjoyed this movie even more talking about it than I did watching it, which is crazy, and I don't think that happens very often in cinema or even in general. So I enjoyed it by watching it, but I really enjoy it now. And I can't wait to watch it again. And I think that's part of why I'm going to give it the, the rating that I do. I can see why it has a cult classic following. I can see why um, people are kind of enamored by it, because it really has a lot. And we can talk about it. This is going to be our longest episode yet, because we have a lot to say on this movie. And that's an important part. But I'll cut it short. Um, I'm going to give it a, a B24. I really did enjoy it, and I can't wait to watch it again, and I will recommend it to my friends just for the sake that it's odd and quirky and fun. So that's it. Very good. Um, I'm going to slip myself right in here. Um, And as your humble narrator, I feel like I had to put aside my personal feelings about this film in order to give a bunch of good questions, and there's enough to work with that I could ask some good questions. However, I think that it is an amazing concept for a film I think it was poorly executed. I do not like the atmospheric uh, way that they went about things. I thought that the pacing was uh, borderline annoying because it became so boring for me. Uh, And I don't think that I'm a uncreative person who can't see why these choices are made. I just think that they were inappropriate for how fun of a concept we're dealing with here. Uh, I didn't appreciate the minimalist soundtrack or lack of it in a lot of spots. And I'm not anti-pretentious. I think that pretentious can work great for a lot of things. However, this was pretentious in an uncool way. It didn't even pull that off for me. That said, like Kevin said, uh, discussing it with you all, I found a little more appreciation, which is kind of rare to see. And I know that there's more to be drawn at every single thing. It's just the question of if I care to ever watch it again or recommend it to anyone in my life. So all of this said, I'm going to give it a... D24. So you're telling me you're not ever going to recommend Mr. Skin's number one nude scene of the top 50 greatest celebrity <laughs> nude scenes wow. of all time. Is it Look E24? At Cole. Wait, wow. what, what naked man I is that? Stutter. Is Google action over here. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Which naked man is number one on Mr. Skin in this movie? Oh. All right, wait. <laughs> Put a the one not that safe for work rating penis. on this the episode. You realize that, right? Yep. That was the one. Yeah. It's part of the human not body. Not safe for work. God. All of them are going to More male that. nudity in film. <laughs> uh, Blazer, Eric, I will let you guys both. Whoever speaks go, first Blaze. goes first. All right, I'll go. I'll go second to last. <clears throat> So, yeah, I have to agree a lot with Kelly about this. I really, really, really love the concept. I think the visuals were stunning, and I thought that, like like she said, like on paper, this is a beautiful idea, but where I detract from Kelly, what I find wrong with this movie is not that it was pretentious. It's I think it had too many eggs in one basket, because like I said, I am still, like, I saw this movie on Saturday night, and I'm like, oh, this could be a theme. Oh, this could be a theme. Oh, this could be a theme. So I feel like like it tried to put so many eggs in one basket and tried to be, you know, the champion of everything. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, this might be a vegan film, like Kelly said. <laughs> so now I got to add one more egg to the basket. And it's just like there's too much there's too much going on for not enough action going on. And then the other issue that I have with the film is, uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, there was a lot of pretty heavy-handed homages and the problem with homages is, is if it's not comparable to how good the original is, then your uh, credibility starts to slack a little bit. So uh, going off of that, I am going to watch it again. I'm probably going to watch it two more times at least. I will recommend it to people just because it's one of those movies where I think everyone needs to at least experience it because I do think it has a lot to say and it has a lot to say to everyone. So, given that, I'm going to give it a C-24, and that's with the caveat that I'm going to watch it again, and it'll probably go up a little bit more. I'll probably end up at, like, a B-B-24. I'm going to start out saying, you know, something that we haven't said yet. I think Scarlett Johansson was absolutely amazing in this. 
Her acting. I said that already. Slowly going from. Uh, oh, I guess Cole said it. All right. Uh, her acting slowly going from like this unemotional uh, yeah. alien into a human. It was just stunning. You know, like a stunning portrayal uh, of a character. I, I loved it. And the cinematography and all of the themes we were talking about. This kind of microscope of the human race and seeing the dichotomy of you know good uh good parts of me- uh man and ugly parts of man i loved the the themes and how they portrayed all of them too and my only um negative of this movie is that yeah there was definitely some stanley kubrick like inspiration here but they didn't quite execute like how stanley kubrick might have tried to execute this movie it wasn't as perfect as i would have wanted it to be in terms of some of the framing of some of the shots also what kelly said at the end just kind of uh, the ashes falling on the screen. And although I liked the idea of, you know, the female overlapped in the woods, I liked what they were saying there. I think they could have done it in a more artistic way. So for me, I'm actually going to give this a B plus 24. This wasn't as good as Enemy for me, but a bit better than Ginger and Rosa. I think I might have a little more clarity on this film after watching it kind of for a second time. I think I dug pretty... Uh, I, I think a lot of this... I've understood a lot more, and I respect a lot of what the writer and director were saying. And, of course, I, I also love the theme, and I, I didn't mind the slow pacing. I Personally, for me, I, that's not a huge thing for me in movies. I, I think I can stick around for it. So, Also, All right. Scarlett Johansson keeping up with her, um, <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, she played the Japanese lady in Ghost in the Shell. What's that called? Yeah, yeah. she Ghost in the Shell. She was her... Yeah, she did. She did the voice of the robot on her. She did Lucy. Is that what that one was called? Yes. Oh, the brain. Whole it was Lucy. Brain. Yep. <laughs> she became like a sci-fi legend. And is it Johansson or Johansson? I feel like we need to get to the bottom of this. I've been going Joe. Jo- I've been I think it's jo- Johansson, it's jo- but I mean, it depends. Yeah, I'll call her whatever she Swedish? wants. Let's be honest. Johansson. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> you guys will fall right into the Black Lagoon. Ah, you're right. I already did. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you mean? She it. wouldn't have to drive in a van. She could, she could be on like a one of those tricycles with a like wagon in the back. I'll be like, let's go. Black goo, you say? All right, I, I'll end this. <laughs> Thank you, um, everyone, for listening. End this podcast saying more male nudity. There you go.